In the name of Jesus, amen. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. These words get thrown around all the time, thrown and used against us by those who are nominally Christian. And very often this happens when someone disagrees with a moral stance that we take. When we say that homosexuality, adultery, pornography, and the like are sinful, we are told, judge not. When we say, don't gossip, don't use bad language, explain everything in the kindest possible way, we're told, condemn not. Don't steal, judge not. Go to church. Who do you think you are? Judge not. Back and forth, back and forth. These words of Jesus are thrown back into our face all the time. As if in this gospel lesson, Jesus were telling us not to call sinful things sin. Some churches have bought into this idea wholeheartedly, making those words, judge not, the centerpiece of their theology. And when they say, judge not, what they really mean is this, we won't talk about your sin. Or more precisely, we don't believe there is sin. usually comes out this way. I remember driving by a church in Fargo all the time with a giant rainbow sign above their entrance door that says, all people are welcome. It's code for we won't tell you about your sin. But is that what Jesus means when he says those words? Does Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate in human flesh, does he really say, don't call things sin? And even worse, don't tell anyone that they've sinned? The context that Jesus gives us around those words help us to understand what it is that he's saying and more importantly what it is that he means. To start with, the word judged doesn't mean, well, what's my opinion on the matter? Jesus isn't interested in our opinions. The word judged and the word condemned as Jesus uses them in this gospel lesson are legal words. The judge is the one who judges. The judge is the one who finds someone guilty. The judge is the one who locks someone in prison. 
or gives them a fine. That's the type of judge Jesus is talking about. And the word for condemnation means sentence, means punish, means convicted of a crime, having done something wrong. So when Jesus says, judge not and condemn not, he does not mean, don't tell someone they're wrong because of your opinion. Instead, those words of Christ are words of truth, words of law and order. Christ is saying, it's not your job to sentence, to convict, to punish someone else to hell because of their sins. You cannot judge if they're fit for heaven or not. God alone can. God alone does. He is the judge. And his word in this matter is very clear. Rather, you are free to be merciful as this gospel lesson starts out with. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. You are to be fair, judging your neighbor with the same mercy that you desire for yourself and that you have already received from God. You're not free to judge your neighbor based upon your own feelings, your own opinion, your own desires. Instead, you are free only to use God's word, which allows God to still be the judge. You're a Christian. You deal with people fairly. Or as Christ says it, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. These words sound foreign to us, and yet this is an allusion to the way you used to buy and sell grain in the ancient world. When you sold grain, it was expected that you were dealing fairly. You were to use a good measure, not selling two-thirds of a bushel for the bushel cost. You were to shake down the grain to fill in any air pockets or places where it hadn't filled in the container. You pressed it down and you added a little bit of extra on top so that it would overflow. That's how you showed you were being fair. And in the way that you were fair to someone else, they also were fair to you. They paid you what you deserved when you gave them what they deserved. Or perhaps the modern example is when there's only one cookie left and there's two kids that want that cookie. You have the first kid cut the cookie in half and the second kid picks which half they want first. 
It's motivation to cut the cookie evenly, to make sure there's the same number of chocolate chips in both halves, that one is not grossly larger than the other. If the first kid cuts the cookie unfairly, the second kid will take the better half. But if it's divided equally, it doesn't matter. It's done rightly. Or if you don't like cookies, perhaps you saw the article in the news about a year ago about the gas station in western Nebraska. They put a price up on the sign that said 79 cents per gallon. But that was only at one pump out of ten. The other nine pumps still charged you $2.79. But as a customer, you didn't know that until you'd already bought your gas and the receipt had printed out. It wasn't fair. It wasn't dealing honestly. It was taking advantage. Christians are not to act this way. Not only with silly things like grain or cookies or gas, but they're not to act this way with the important things like sin and forgiveness of sin. That means you're not to judge someone else's sin to be worse than your sin. You're not to say, that adulterer will go to hell, but I won't. That thief deserves prison, but I don't. In other words, you're not to think God has bigger fish to fry than little old me. We deal fairly, honestly, equally as children of God. This is a struggle for us each and every day, isn't it? Even here in this building, in this room, we look down the pew or across the aisle and we see Joe Christian sitting over there. And we say to ourselves, remember in 2014 they got that drunk driving arrest? I look pretty good compared to that. Or we look at Susie Lutheran and think, what a harlot she was in high school. Or maybe we compare each other by our church offering records. Well, I might not give very much, but at least I give more than so-and-so. We might even use those things against the church if the pastor says something we don't like. I guess I'll stop giving. We look around and we think, George speaks funny, Hank dresses poorly, and Eloise sins more than I ever could. 
And as we look and we judge, as we deal unfairly and dishonestly with each other, we make ourselves the judge instead of God. Or maybe we keep track of what pew people sit in. What's the best pew to get into heaven? Is it the front pew? Because then you can see everything and the spit from the pastor can land on you? Or is it the back pew? Because then people can't see you snoozing and you used to be able to get out of church first. Which one's better for getting to heaven? Can you judge that? How about this? Who goes to more Bible studies? Will they be in heaven quicker? Who's wearing better clothes? Is one height better than another? One skin color better than another? One eye color? One hair color? Can you judge how God will save people by these means? Of course not. It's sin. Sin to compare ourselves to others and think we're more deserving. It's hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy comes from the word for actor, one who pretends to be something they're not. That's what we do. We judge the things in others and ignore them in ourselves. We might even act very pious as we do so, but it's still hypocrisy. Even the church sign that says everyone is welcome here is hypocrisy because it's judging other churches to be unwelcoming. When we make ourselves the judge, when we pass sentence, when we condemn someone apart from God's word based on our own opinion, we're sinning the same way that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Remember Satan's lie to them. You will be like God, knowing good from evil. You'll be the judge of what's right and wrong. And in our hypocrisy and self-justification, we condemn people to hell for their eye specks while ignoring the log in our own eye. It's self-justification. It's self-acquittal. The criminal has become the judge. And the criminal judges completely apart 
from what God's Word says. We are Christians. We deal evenly, honestly, truthfully. So let's set aside our hypocrisy and let's deal with each other honestly. Let me deal with you honestly, all of you who are listening and all of you gathered here. Listen to this truth. You are a guilty sinner who sinned against God's word and thought, word and deed. You are guilty, just as guilty as the person down the pew, the person across the room, the person in the pulpit, the person next door, the person down the hall, the person in the next cubicle at work. You're just as guilty as all of them. You're as guilty as the person you meet at the grocery store, in traffic, on the way home from work, your neighbor that rubs you the wrong way. You are sinful. So am I. That's not my judgment or opinion. That's what God reveals to us in His Holy Word. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us justly deserve God's eternal wrath and punishment. None of us are before or after another. We are on equal grounds when it comes to sin. The person who looks squeaky clean is just as guilty as the person who looks like a terror. All have sinned. The tall, the short, the fat, the thin, the white, the black, the man, the woman. All of us are sinners. God judges that to be true. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, truth. Believing anything else is a self-justifying, hypocritical lie. And as that prior statement is tro true, so too is this true. This is the honest truth. God has had mercy on you, a sinner. Just as he has had mercy on all sinners. Sin, every last sin, the big sins, the little sins, the medium sins, are all forgiven in Jesus Christ. Even your sin that you know that no one else does, it is forgiven by Jesus Christ. 
God, rather than condemn you to hell for eternity, sent his only begotten son to take on our human flesh, to live a perfect life in our place, to bleed, to suffer, and to die, to be buried in our place for you, for your sin. Jesus did that for every sinner, every guilty, guilty, rotten person, every self-justifying hypocrite Jesus died for. No sin, no, not one sin has been missed by the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord, by the Good Friday cross and passion of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins for every sinner is complete, is total, is all-encompassing. Whether people realize that or not. When God looks at you, It's through the blood of Jesus. When God looks at you, it's with the word of Jesus in his ear. I've died for them. I took their punishment. They're free. That's something, isn't it? That all of us have in common. Not just us, but every person that we run into in this world, whether they realize it or not. Jesus has forgiven sins. He has had mercy on all, even upon you. Don't deny this by avoiding your sin. Confess the truth. Be forgiven. And forgive as you have been forgiven. And that's where we begin our lives outside the walls of the sanctuary. It maybe seems weird to end a sermon with where we begin our lives, but that's what we'll do. Our beginning in dealing with people is different than others. The world only accuses. The world only condemns. And as you see on the news, when you are accused and condemned by the world, there is no forgiveness. But as Christians, we operate differently. When you are in conflict with someone, when you run into someone, when you're angry with someone, rather than telling them where they ought to go and that they're condemned to hell, remember that Jesus died for them just as he did for you. Rather than nailing them to the cross so that they won't mess with you again, let Jesus be the one who was nailed to the cross to forgive both of you. Start 
your interactions with people in that forgiveness. And I don't mean then that you avoid talking about sin or calling sin, sin. You're free to do that when it matches with what God's word says. We're also free, compelled in fact, to speak also of the forgiveness of every sin, big and small. We deal with people honestly, evenly, truthfully, sin and forgiveness, guilt and mercy, death and life. Don't deny your guilt. Don't deny the forgiveness of Jesus. Pray for God to remove the log from your own eye that you might deal with the speck in your neighbor's eye. All of you are sinners. All of you are forgiven by Jesus. Be merciful as God is merciful to you in Jesus. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.